Well, kia ora. You're listening to the Family Life New Zealand podcast. I'm your host, Vainan Jacobs, and today's discussion is part two of our conversation on our assignment as parents. We're called to receive our children as a gift, raise them with wisdom and love, and release them as adults into the world. This episode features a great story from Andy Bray on getting to know your kids one-on-one, which was recorded at a conference a few years ago. Andy is the late husband of Nikki Bray and former director here at Family Life NZ. If you missed part one of our discussion, please pause this episode and listen to that one first. We hope you enjoy the rest of the discussion. Okay, so we're talking about parenting and the three aspects of that that we get to play a part in as our kids grow. One, we receive them as a gift. Two, we raise them with wisdom. And three, we release them for life. So in part one, we covered the receiving side. But um, Nikki, Mm. we've spoken about some of the things that we've done well, maybe some of our mistakes. Talk to me about what your your kids, like feedback. Your kids are now out of the house. Mm. They're all grown up. Um, what feedback have you heard from them? Yeah, <laughs> feedback's great, isn't it? I remember years ago saying to Olivia, she's married 27 now, and she, I think she would have been about 20 at the time, and we said to her, we know we've made mistakes as a parent. Every parent does. There's no such thing as a perfect one. But can you tell us something that we've done right? And we actually asked it of both Olivia and Ben at different times. And it was interesting because both of them had a different answer. And so Olivia came back to us and she said, one thing that I really think you did well and that I appreciate now as an adult is that you always parented me with other people in mind. And I thought, mean by that. And she said it was little things like um, if I'd left the bathroom in a mess and you were coming in and you asked me to clean it up, um, to tidy up, she said it was because think about the other people who were coming behind you who were going to use it. So she said, you always made me think about not just myself and my own actions, but also how what I was doing or what I was saying was going to impact those people that came behind me. Mm. And so she said that gave me the ability to be other-oriented and consider other people. She said, and I really appreciated that. And it's been part of, of how I do life now. It's kind of woven into the fabric of who she is. So I thought, oh, okay, I didn't realize we did that, but clearly that had a big impact on her. <laughs> yeah. And then we said the same thing to Ben, you know, what have we done right, Ben? Because I think, honestly, I could write a book about the things we did wrong with Ben. But one of the things he said that we did right, he said, was you always believed in me. And he said, I look back now, he said, I know I stuffed up so many times. And he said, and it didn't matter where I made the mistake or where I broke down trust or whatever. Yes, I paid the consequence for it. He said, but you never gave up on me. You always believed in me that I could be who I was meant to be. You know, and he said, and I so valued that, that when I couldn't even believe in myself, he said, you did it for me. Mm. And so that was amazing to hear because I think, yeah, he wasn't easy, as I said, but the fact that we we could believe in him, that mm. made me feel like, oh, okay, we did this well. And that's great that you share that. It sort of really plays into our next our next aspect of the conversation, which is raising them mm. with wisdom. And we've got, a, I guess, a special treat for our listeners today. This clip was recorded. This was Andy sharing at A Weekend to Remember. And um, this is just a little piece of the discussion. And it tells the story so beautifully of how Andy really... Um, learned how to spend time and uh, raise his kids as an individual. So 
Have a listen to this. We'll be back soon. Well, he raises each child as an individual. So we've gone from receiving, he now raises them. He raises, raises them as an individual. Why do you think this is so important, to raise them as an individual? You know, I'm so glad I heard this principle uh, 24 years ago by Dennis Rainey, who inspired me to raise my own children. And these were a lot of these ideas are coming from. They're not mine, they're borrowed from Dennis from 24 years ago. But this whole idea of spending time one-on-one was new to me because my parents, I was in a great family. My dad did a good job considering nothing back around then to teach him how to be a dad. But we were raised kind of homogeneously. We were like mother duck. We just followed as little ducklings, followed mum and dad around wherever they went. But Dennis taught me this idea of taking your kids on dates, one-on-one time. How do you get to know somebody really well? One-on-one. And so I've had a number of dates with my kids, probably uh, at least three or four a year. Now I do it once a month. So I have, um, it's the ninth of the month for Ben and the 16th of the month for Olivia. And when that day comes around, I try and spend a day with them or spend some time with them somehow, connect with them, buy them a coffee. I know, I go to the movie, whatever. That's, that's, what, that's what I'm doing now as adults. But back then as kids, we'd do swimming dates, shopping dates, uh, movie dates, all kinds of things. Just take them out to McDonald's, whatever. Simple things, one-on-one. And I have great memories now of each one of those dates living in my heart today. Not one of those times was wasted. I'll just share one of them with you. Uh, This was a a date that I got out of um, a book called Secret Keeper Girl. And it just explained in that book what to do. And so I organised, I rang up a very flash restaurant in town. So this is a special story. I don't, you don't do this sort of thing every night of the week, but this is what, something I did. And I, I arranged with the restaurant that they would treat her like a queen. Because back then, she was about eight, and she was a bit of a tomboy. She liked to hang with the boys and do kind of boy stuff. And I wanted to try and um, create in her a vision of being a young woman. So that's what this little date was about. And so I booked this fine china restaurant, and I rang them ahead of time, and so I turned up with Olivia, and, you know, it's kind of doing all the little things. Like, so when I open the car door for her, I show her how, to, how a young man should treat a young woman, and, um, and then when I get to the, get near the restaurant in the car park, I, I walk with her with her arm in my arm, and talk about that's how a young lady should be with a young man. And by the way, you wait till I open the car door for you, darling, because, um, and if he doesn't open the car door for you when you go out with a young man, then stay there. He may be halfway down the road, but he'll find out eventually that you're not with him and he'll come back and get you. <laughs> you can train him that way. So I'll take her into the restaurant and the lady there opened the, pulled the seat out for her and she sat down and we didn't worry, worry about the first course. We just, had, we just had chocolate pudding and chocolate mud pipe and chocolate, um, chocolate milkshake. And we just laughed about what mum would be saying about all the sugar we're having. But it was just moved between me and her, right? A night out. And then uh, we... I started to propose to tell her some things about her. I just uh, said, oh, darling, you know, I just love the way that you're so compassionate. You're always so uh, other-oriented. You're always thinking of other people. And, uh, and then I stopped. And a little hand came across and tapped mine and said, more, Daddy, more. So I said, oh, honey, no, you're, you're, um, I just love the way that you're so, such a peaceful kind of person. You're our, you're our peacemaker in our family. You know, the other two kids are just crazy, running around, always talking, but you're, you're our peacemaker. I just love having you in our family. You, like, kind of settle everything down. Put a hand across my more, Daddy, more. <laughs> just wanting to be encouraged and hearing those positive words. Hey, very cool, very important from Dad. 
And then I said to her, I pulled out a styrofoam cup, I brought out an ordinary cup, and then I brought out a fine china cup made in Germany. And I had them on the table in front of me, and I explained that a styrofoam cup is a replaceable throwaway item. It doesn't mean anything. You know, use them every day. And then I looked at the nice, ordinary daily cup, cup and saucer, and I said, this is something we drink tea out of every day, and, you know, they're useful, but once again, not that special. See them everywhere. And then I said, here's this china, fine bone china cup. It's a one-off. It's been hand-designed, and that's what you are, babe. Forget about being a styrofoam cup. Forget about being an ordinary cup. You are specially, beautifully designed by God for a unique purpose. And you are beautiful. And I want to see yourself carry yourself like this, rather than those other two things. Yes, it's fun to carry around being a tomboy. That's cool. But just remind yourself you're this beautiful, you're going to be growing to a beautiful young woman one day. And I was just trying to pass on her the attributes that God had given her from a young age. She got the message. And another time I was with Ben, we'd, I'd, um, one thing about Ben was whenever he kind of was being difficult, I thought it was time to take him away for a weekend. And I'd take him into the Y-Tax, put a pack on his back, make him walk a bit, and kind of stretch him a bit. And he used to love it. And we would reconnect as a dad and a son. And um, it would help make him kind of toe the line, at least for another couple of weeks anyway, before he went off the rails again. But I remember this moment, we were sitting in, the, in the, this hut in the middle of the Y-Tax, and we'd all gone to bed early, it was dark outside, not much more to do, there were no lights around. So we just snuggled up in our sleeping bag, and we were just lying there chatting away, and then his voice came out of the dark, hey dad, you really wanted me, hey dad. I said, oh Ben, you're a gift from God, you know, you're the first boy in the Bray family for 21 years, we really wanted you, you're a great son, I'm proud of you. Oh, that's really cool, hey dad, because... I really wanted a dad like you. You got what you wanted, and I got what I wanted. Special moments that only come when you're spending time with them, eh? You don't get many of them. Most of the time, parenting is hard yakka, hard work, self-sacrifice, giving up yourself. But even those moments of magic are so worth it, aren't they? Yeah, Andy does such a great job of that session. You know, it's interesting, um, his legacy lives on, mm. which I think is exciting for you, Nikki. that even though, you know, he's no longer with us physically, that is um, still one of the most powerful sessions of the weekend. Um, we still play that, uh, that video of him. And, you know, Leanne and I have done similar things to that because we've all learned from <laughs> probably the same person, one of the masters, you know, Dennis Rainey of years past, who, who was the director mm-hmm. of Family Life in the States, who basically inspired us with things that he'd done yeah. with his kids. So, mm. yeah, I love how Andy, um, you know, shares those stories and we've got similar ones. You know, we've taken our kids on dates, and just one-on-ones with them and and just getting down on their level and doing things that, you know, that they appreciate. <laughs> one of the things that we did, we would, when our kids were small, we'd pull the, the couch out into the lounge and um, we'd sort of have this fishing Things. I'd, I'd, I'd made a stick with a string and a peg on it and I'd give it to them. They'd sit on the couch and stick it over behind the couch and I'd be <laughs> hiding behind there. And I'd got a whole lot of their toys and their favourite things or lollies or marshmallows or, you know, and they'd be fishing and I'd sort of tug on the string and sometimes there's nothing but, you know, sometimes there's their favourite toy or, or, a, or a biscuit <laughs> or a marshmallow. It was so much fun. Well, we had, we got all the socks from uh, in our sock drawer and, and rolled them up into a ball and had this massive sock fight in the middle of the lounge. I mean, Leanne didn't like that one so much, but <laughs> we had to look out for, you know, light fittings and things like that. But we just had incredible fun. We all got into it and had this massive sock fight. Steve is our chief fun officer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's getting down and doing things.
level. And one of the things that we've said, we've talked about this a little bit, but one of the things that we've always said to our kids and loving them unconditionally is there's nothing bad that they can do that will cause us as their parents to love them no, less. that's right. And there's nothing good that they can do that would cause us to love them more. You know, we love them unconditionally. And I think that's just been an unspoken rule in our place that they know that no matter what they do, no matter what the mistakes they make, and we make mistakes as parents, that it's okay. You know, yeah. they're still going to be unconditionally loved. They're still part of our family. We're not going to kick them out. <laughs> yep. no. uh, and that brings incredible security and uh, um, um, value to them. Yeah, and I remember actually on that point that it is important that they're known that they're unconditionally loved. And I remember saying to Ben something had gone, he'd done something. And even as an 18-year-old, he came in. I said to him, and Livy was there at the time, I said to him, Ben, I said, I'm not disappointed in you. Mm. I'm disappointed for you. Because he knew that there were consequences to, to that was going to happen as what had happened. But I didn't, I didn't want him to know that I was disappointed in him as a person. And Olivia looked on and she said, oh, mum, that was the best thing you could have done because he was already beating himself up. Yep. And so, yep. yeah, they face their consequences. There's always going to be. And I think, you know, a vision that I have for our family is I want to be the type of dad that when my kids mess up, not, not if, when, yeah. <laughs> I don't want them to think, oh, I hope dad doesn't find out. Yeah, exactly. I want them to think I messed up. I need to go to dad. Yeah. Like, like dad will help me sort this out. Or mm. dad, you know, dad, dad will receive me mm. and help me clean up this mess. On another point on that, one of my biggest prayers as a mother for my children was I used to pray, Lord, when they do things wrong, let them get found out. <laughs> yeah. I used yeah. to pray that one a lot. Oh, sure. because, to live with their consequences, and, yeah, and Ben used to come to me and he'd go, how do you know? And I'd go, ah, because I'm <laughs> friends of the creator of the oh, universe. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good because they, you know, you want them actually. You don't want them to get away with stuff because that's how we learn. We make yeah. mistakes and we learn from that. And I found, I mean, even, I mean, our son is two, but I realise the discipline, we're in the discipline years, right? Mm. But the discipline that he learns from us when it doesn't matter is important because there are times when it does matter. Mm. Let me give, let me just, I guess, um, put some legs on that illustration. Like say, for example, we're eating chocolate, right? Mm -hmm. He loves chocolate as, as any person does, but then we have one or two blocks and then that's enough. He would go on about how he wants more and throw a tantrum to get what he <laughs> wants. And then, you know, one of us, I'm not, I won't say which one of the parents <laughs> would be, I guess, a bit more relaxed and say, oh, that's fine. He could have some more. And the other one of us, I wouldn't <laughs> say which one would be, no, this is a principle matter. Mm. We said no. And he needs to learn that when there's a boundary, his reaction to that boundary isn't going to make that boundary fall over. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't matter when it's a piece of chocolate, mm. but it does matter when I'm telling him to not run into the road. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So mm. I'm, I'm just getting into that phase of understanding, like I want my kids to grow up and to grow up knowing where the boundaries are. Yeah. And their mistakes, you know, hopefully can be made in a safe space. Mm. Yeah. But that's the ideal. We don't always get to live the ideal, right? But we can create the relationships with our kids where they want to come to us. Yeah. There's another great illustration. I don't know, Steve, maybe I'd love to hear your, your take on the, you know, the raising years uh, as a dad. You know, I love the, the three M's uh, you get to play as a dad, the manager, the mentor and the model. Talk to us a bit about what that means for you. 
Yeah, and that's a really important part of of being a dad and raising your kids is is first of all this has been really helpful for me and this is something we've learned over you know many years of being involved with family life. It's become a principle that has just become second nature to us. But I also realise that you know not everybody lives this stuff. So we're given an incredible responsibility. Our job as a dad, as a father, of raising our kids for life. You know we've talked about that. As a manager, you know he raises his his kids uh, for life. We're pouring our life into them. Uh, we are also uh, a mentor. You know, we come alongside our kids, particularly as they're growing up. Nikki talked about the, the teenage years. We're coaching them. We're walking life alongside them. We we teach them, you know, right from wrong. Or maybe we uh, take advantage of teachable moments, like something will come up on TV and there's something that's a bit questionable and we think, well, hang on a minute. You know, what are they trying to say here? What can we learn from this? Or... Uh, an accident on TV where someone was had an accident, a car accident because they're on their cell phone. Oh, well, what can we learn from that? You know. Yeah, I, I think I think it's also you know recognizing that responsibility of actively mentoring and actively participating in your kids' education and growth. Because if we abdicate our responsibilities as fathers or as mothers, then basically our children are left to learn life from the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and that might not always be. Healthy. And one of the things we've done is, is we've always asked them questions, particularly when they were smaller growing up. But even now, you know, how was your day? You know, what was the best thing that happened, you know, today? What was the worst thing that happened today? You know, if you could relive today, what would you change? And it's just having conversations around those sort of things. It's connecting with them. It's relating. It's building that relationship. Yep. Um, it's not giving them lectures like we talked about before. Mm. Yeah, questions can be key. That's all part of mentoring. And then, of course, we are a model. And I realise that I have an incredible model uh, in my dad. And I realise mm. not everybody has this. You know, a lot of people come from abusive relationships or maybe their dad just wasn't around. And so they haven't had, you know, what it means to be a model. But uh, my dad coming up, um, or passed away coming up four years ago, but um, he was an incredible model to me. He was my hero, <laughs> really. You know, when I was growing up, he showed me what it was like to have um, a committed faith, uh, he modelled integrity. He taught me how to be reliable about humility, you know, a good work ethic, uh, all that sort of thing. And he never lectured me. He never, you know, went into teaching mode. We never had sort of sit down, I'm going to teach you how to live uh, sort of episodes, sessions. But he just lived it. And, you know, he modelled that to me. And the, the, the eyes of a young boy growing up through my early years and later on just watched him and observed how he lived. And, you know, I learned a lot from him. It's been four years. I I still miss him, but I have that incredible legacy of life that he poured into me, and I'm sure that I'm a a, a different person now because of, you know, that life that I observed in him. And that's what I want to pass on to my kids because I know they're watching me. Yeah. You know, they see where I fail. Yep. They see things that I do right, but and they're learning from that. Mm. And so one thing that we can do as a, a manager, a mentor, and a model is when we do fail, is to make sure we take responsibility mm. for. Uh, what we've done wrong. And there's been many times I've had to come to my kids and say, oh, look, I've, I blew it. I'm I'm sorry. You know, I reacted badly. You know, will you forgive me? And that's become part of our language as we are pouring our life into them of wanting to see them hear it from us <laughs> so they can see that model so they know what to do when they blow it. When our kids hopefully grow up and, you know, we're hoping that they're going to have kids of their own, we're going to be <laughs> grandparents, that they know what to do when they make a mistake because they're not going to be perfect just like we're not perfect, you know. Yeah. Mm. And I think having talked to a lot of parents, I think that one thing we carry as parents is we all carry a lot of guilt. 
you know, have we done enough right? You know, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the, the yeah. case for everyone, right? We carry a lot of guilt. But um, yeah, it, it's taking encouragement from the things we've done right too and know that we're pouring. You know, we're doing the best that we can, a lot of us and a lot of people that are listening, I know they pour in their life into their kids thinking, gosh, is this going to work out? I just want to give you some encouragement and say, yeah, if you're in a tough space right mm. now, um, you can't wreck your kids, really. You've got to be pretty bad to wreck your kids. <laughs> but on that point, Steve, I remember years ago Family Life doing a survey, and they, this was Family Life in America, and they asked people to say, to write in and say what were the three words they most wanted to hear from their parents. And so people would write in, oh, I love you, I care mm. about you, and, and it wasn't any of those. Yes, they do need to hear that, but that wasn't the one that they were wanting to hear. What they were wanting to hear was, I am sorry. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's because, as you say, that, and we all make mistakes, and the parent that can turn around to their child and say, I am sorry, and then to add on, will you forgive me, is a very p- powerful parent indeed. And and. She, gives a a real life lesson to their children. On a scale of one to 10, 10 being I feel completely connected to my partner and zero being I feel totally disconnected from my partner, where would you rate yourself right now? There's probably room for growth, right? Why not take some time and actively choose to take your relationship to a 10 by learning how to love and relate to one another on a deeper level. Spend one weekend with us and discover the keys to building intimacy, strengthening communication, handling life's pressures, embracing differences, fighting fair and working through conflict constructively and so much more. You'll laugh a lot, you'll rekindle romance, learn new skills and be better equipped to build a relationship that thrives. We can promise you it will be a weekend to remember. You may not reach a 10, but most couples leave on cloud nine. Join us on our next couples retreat. Register today at familylife.nz. familiar with mentoring. It's all about sharing knowledge, skills and personal experiences to guide another person towards reaching their full potential. It's about investing your time and talents to make a positive difference in the life of another. In a nutshell, it's discipleship at its best. Marriage mentoring is exactly the same, except you're doing it as a couple and you're doing it with a couple. At Family Life, we run an outstanding program to train you to be exceptional marriage mentors. We equip you in the art of asking skillful questions, which then help younger couples grow together and do marriage well. Become a marriage champion for others and register today for our online training at familylife.nz. I love this quote by Albert Einstein. Um, I share this at the weekend. He was a very wise man. And he says this in terms of modeling and mentoring. He says, setting an example is not the main means of influencing another. It's the start of it. So you think, okay, oh, setting an example is not the main means. What is then? And then he carries on to say, setting an example is not the main means of influencing another. It's the only means. Yeah, wow. I think, yeah, that's pretty powerful, eh? Because our kids are watching us like little radar units. So they're locked on to how we're behaving. And one of the things we've tried to model to our kids is the importance of telling the truth. Because, you know, when you tell the truth, you don't have to have a very good memory because 
<laughs> you don't have to worry about the lies you've told before, but if I could take you back to our place on one Saturday morning, going back a number of years when I think our son was about eight years old, and I was working out in the backyard and um, he'd come out and with me and he'd, he'd got some bricks from behind the shed that he was playing with. And I said, oh, that's fine. You can use those bricks as long as you put them away when, when you're finished. He said, yep, yep, yep. Okay, Dad, I'll do that. And so I finished what I was doing and I went inside and I was helping Leanne. And a little while later he came in and walked past and I said, oh, hey, son, have you put the bricks away? And he said, yep, 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 Dad, um, but you just go on helping Mum, okay? You don't have to go out and check. Okay, <laughs> I wasn't born yesterday, but I sort of forgot about that. And later on, we were having dinner and, and Leanne was just complimenting him on how good he'd been that day. He'd been obedient, how well he'd behaved, how well he'd treated his sister and all this, you know, she was just, because we realised you've got to encourage your kids, you know, when they do something right, let them know. Yeah. <laughs> Not all the bad stuff all the time. And so she was just really encouraging him. In the middle of that, he sort of hopped up from the table and started going outside. Oh, where, where are you going, son? He goes, um, I'm just going to put the bricks away. Mm, <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes it doesn't always work exactly like clockwork, but they do get there and they do learn. And, you know, sometimes you wonder if they're picking it up, but they actually are. They, are. Mm, they yeah. store it in their little head mm. and it comes out later on. But I love how in that story you're focusing on the good, right? If you would have just given him a telling off for not putting the bricks away, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. like how much would that have helped? Mm. But the fact that you were focusing on the good and actually reminding them of who they are. Hey, you're such a great, you're such a great kid. It's like, oh, I better live up to that. Let me <laughs> exactly. go put the bricks away. Because you know what they say? They say that a child doesn't um, grow up to be who you think they're going to be. They grow up to who they think that you think they're going to be. Yeah. Wow. And I've learned from experience from, from myself. You know, I'm not motivated by someone who's telling me what I've done wrong all the time. But if someone is picking up on the things that I've done right, I think, oh, okay. Mm. Oh, that's great. I'm do encouraged to do even more of that. Yeah, <laughs> That's good. And it's the same for our kids to speak that into their life. Mm. So much wisdom in this conversation. I feel like we could go on and do a whole series on parenting. Uh, but I think we've touched on the raising the kids aspect. There is one facet that I'm raising that we haven't yet touched on and that I think as a parent and as a mother, I really held strongly to this because part of my role is to teach my kids. Mm. Um, and, And Andy did too. We both were committed to this, but that was passing on our faith, doing the best we could to model and pass on the faith, the biblical faith that we had, because ultimately that was the greatest gift we could give our kids. Because where else are they going to hear it from, right? Exactly. And it's not the role of the church to do it, although the church partner with parents to do it. It's not the school. If they're going to Christian schools, it's actually the role of the parent to do it. And so, I mean, we're reminded in Deuteronomy where it talks about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul and your mind. And then it talks about putting it on your heart, impressing it on your heart, having it on your forehead, um, (laughs) you know, tying it to your hands. I mean, this is a real command for us as parents to keep that in the forefront of our mind that your role is to teach these kids what it is to love God with their heart, their soul, and their mind. And so we were very strong as a parent setting up opportunities that we could do that. Yes, we modelled it, Steve, as you say, in how Mm. we lived, but it was also taking teaching opportunities. Definitely. And we would have Friday nights where they were faith nights and we would do fun things to build faith into with our kids. And a real-life example that we got from that was because we were very strong in having these family connection times was when Tasha was about six and Andy, I mean, he lived with chronic health issues. And when he was, um, Tasha was six, he went into hospital for um, a cancer operation and the prognosis wasn't very good at the time. And I remember this particular morning 
Andy was in hospital waiting for the operation and I was baking a cake with Natasha trying to take her mind off what was happening. And I looked down at her at one stage and this little girl was beating this cake mix, but she was actually crying at the same time. And I remember looking at her and saying, honey, what, what's wrong? Why are you crying? And she looked at me and she said, mummy, I am frightened that daddy's going to die. Can you please tell me that he's not going to die? And in that instant, I remember thinking, oh, Lord, how can I tell my child when I don't even know what the future is going to hold? Of course, I mm. wanted to tell her that, but I also didn't want to tell her something that I, I wasn't the author of. Yeah. And so I said to her, honey, I said, and it was basically paraphrasing Romans eight twenty eight. I said, look, if daddy dies, yes, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be hard. We're going to miss him. It's going to be awful. I said, but at the same time, we do know from scripture that God says that for those who love him, everything will work for good. So in other words, honey, he will bring good out of whatever happens. Of course, we don't want it to happen. Of course, it will be hard, but we can trust God that he has got you in this and he's got me in this. And we'll the outcome. And we'll be yeah. okay. Yeah. Mm. And um, I honestly... That little girl's faith from a six-year-old absolutely changed from that point on. And it was almost as if we saw her transfer her faith that was our faith into her own faith, like plugging it into God himself. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you know the story. I mean, Natasha died at 16 at a tragic accident. But that girl's faith when she died was so, so strong with her creator. Yep. Mm. And I believe that we get those moments in life as we raise our kids to to speak truth yep. and wisdom and life into yep. those opportunities and not to shy away from them. We weren't dismissing it. We weren't saying, mm. oh, everything's going to be fine. Trust God, all's good. Yep. We weren't doing that. We weren't being Pollyannas. We weren't yep. being naive. But I was saying, look, whatever happens, God is in this. And, and if you think about it, like God is a relational God, right? Mm. He invites us into relationship with him. And then I love the quote, um, someone said, God has no grandchildren. It's like, if we have a faith, that's great. And we have children, but at some stage, our children need to be introduced to God for mm. themselves and they need mm. to develop their own relationship. Mm. Um, so yeah, that, that idea, God has no grandchildren, in, in sense of his desire is that people would know him and step into relationship with him mm. uh, directly. Yeah. Not through my parents' faith or my grandparents' yeah. faith, but actually mm. discovering God for ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And that's not to say that our children will all believe what we believe. No. However, they won't if we don't take the opportunity to introduce them to Christ. Exactly. Yeah, that, and that's a great, your story of Natasha, that's an, a great example of, you know, using those teachable moments, mm. you know, seeing what's going on in their life or maybe they've asked a question and using that as, as an opportunity to teach them. And we've had plenty of those too. But, yeah, you're right, there are no guarantees. We could be the no. best parents in the world and do everything right and, you know, who does that? But even if we did, there's no guarantee that our kids are going to turn out and, and be perfect and follow the same values and beliefs and morals mm. that we do. Mm. I've seen, you know, so often, and we can beat ourselves up thinking, gosh, what have we done wrong? You know, you know, as a parent. And one of the things I've done, and, and I know you guys have too, Nikki, is there's been many times where I've prayed the prayer of the helpless parent. <laughs> <Yes>. you, know? <laughs> you know, that prayer that goes something like, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I think I'm wrecking these kids. You know, I help, you know, mm. give me some direction. And he answers questions. He answers prayers like that. 
It's almost like, you know, finally, finally you've acknowledged that you need me. You're in a position where I can step in and help you to raise these kids because we need that. You know, we can't do it on our own. You know, we need that divine yeah. intervention. And it's also having that long-term vision in mm. that, you know, okay, they get to 21. Oh, Lord, they've turned their back on their faith. Well, we don't give up. No. We trust God that he loves them more than we love them and we still pray for those children and we still do what we can do. We, we're loving them unconditionally, but we're also praying for them like crazy. I mean, God himself was the perfect parent, but he mm. didn't have perfect children. That's right. <laughs> so That's a great yeah. encouragement, isn't it? You know? uh, yeah, it is. It's just encouraging those parents who have got prodigal children, keep praying and to where there's life, there's hope. Mm-hmm. Never give yeah. up. I think the, the, um, the other option there was not trying to teach our children anything mm-hmm. and sort of saying, Oh, let's see how they grow up. And I mean, where is that going to lead to? Uh, If I leave the garden untended outside, the things that (laughs) that grow up there aren't actually very pleasant Mm. most of the time. Um, So we want to actually realize our role as a parent in creating structure, creating some definition around who we are, where we live, what we believe. And it's like, you know, we can try and be, (laughs) some people try and be very agnostic about it. And I don't want to teach my kids wrong but I mean do you just want to keep it blank yeah like kids actually need some security in belief and in training and in guides Uh, so we want to raise our kids you know well and there's probably more to say around that but um what about the releasing aspect Mm. so we talked about receiving them as a gift we talked about raising them with wisdom transferring what we know, who we are, how we model that behavior, good or bad. Mm. And then what about releasing them? Yeah, well, that ties into where we started with that verse, arrows in the hands of a warrior. Um, And of course, the role of the warrior is to release that arrow to make an impact, to hit the target and to make an impact. Mm. And so that's what our role is as a parent is to not keep our arrows in our quiver, but to release those arrows into a world that desperately needs to to see God's mm. message of hope and reconciliation mm. and love and salvation and everything that, you know, they're, they're needing out there in the culture today. So we raise our children to be released from us and to go and make their own families and to fulfill their own destiny. And that's part of the privilege that we get is to let them go. And so I'm often telling parents, you know, don't hang on to your kids too tightly. Let them go. We've given them the gift of life. It's up to them now to live their life the way they were created. That's freedom. That's love. Mm. Yeah. And so speak to the the parents that have their kids at the age of 36. (laughs) staying at home uh, because they didn't really they didn't go just tell them you're selling the house yeah. and they have to find somewhere to live they're moving into retirement home and you can't come you can't come or maybe speak to the parents that you know uh, are in those teenage years and they don't want their kids to be stuck under their roofs i mean as much as we we love our kids and we want them to be around we do need to actually have a plan in place of how are we going to set them up to go and to be released mm. and to not remain in that sense dependent on us as their parents. Well, that begins with responsibility, doesn't it? Keep giving Mm. them responsibility in the home, knowing that they're a member of a family means that they have chores to do, they have things that they've got to fulfill. And so that's that's part of it. As a teenager, you take on that responsibility. And then when they're 18 and they're living at home, then maybe that's charging them rent for being there and them realising that, you know, the world will require them to, to play their part. One of the best things that we did was before our, while they were still at school, before they were working, we instilled in them that as soon as they were earning, they were paying board. 
And of course, when they started doing it, oh, none of my friends are playing yeah. board. You know, they, oh, well, that's not how we do it here. And so we'd sort of already talked about mm. a percentage of what they earned that they'd be paying board. So when that happened, of course, they kicked back and didn't want yeah. to do it, but it became a normal thing to do. And so they did, mm. because we know that when they left home and our son has now, he's gone flatting and he's paying more than he was at home. <laughs> it's at least prepared him for, you know, there are costs. Yeah. To, to living in the real world. There are mm. costs of, you know, food and electricity and bills to pay and, and he'd become accustomed to that by paying board at home. Our, our daughter is still at home, still sometimes complains about paying board, but she <laughs> is. She'll eventually be in the same boat. But, you know, one of the things we've seen w- with our kids growing up too is with responsibilities and chores and, you know, they have to play a part of this family if you want to, you know, you, you need to be doing some things. And it was hard to get them as teenagers to be doing things like the dishes and cleaning up and cooking. And so, but then we'd hear that they'd go to someone else's place and these people would come back and just praise how wonderful these kids were and how interactive we they were. The <laughs> yeah, and how that helped with things. I'm thinking, gee, is this the same kids that we send over to you? You know, we can't get them to do anything at home, but it's nice to see that they are picking those things up. We need to be raising them to release them. Otherwise, they're going to get into the real world and they're just not going to be able to cope. Well, you don't want them to not be able to function when you're not around. Mm. I mean, we're all going to die one day. But these kids <laughs> need to learn to stand on their own two feet. And um, we love, we're loving them by doing that. And I think, you know, going back to what you said about, um, you know, Ben's words to you, you believed in mm. me. Mm. What I've seen, even at the age of two, like when I'm actually cheering mm. Jonah, um, like he he would struggle and not want to do something. And he's actually picked up, it's so cute, this toddler saying, I struggle. And he would go on, I'm struggling. <laughs> but then I would come alongside him and I would not do it yeah. for him. I would actually, mm. I would take his hand and I would show him that he can yeah. do it. And the the incredible joy and satisfaction that comes from that interaction and just seeing that, hey, I can do this. Yeah. Right. Whereas as parents, we often want to step in and oh, rescue yes. and mm. save our kids. but. It's not doing them a good service. It's actually no. doing them a disservice. Actually, something we've learned too is in that process that you're talking about is you don't want to do everything for them because they'll never learn. But first of all, you want to model. So there may be, say you're fixing a tap or something. You come alongside and you do it and, you, and they watch you. And then maybe next time there's a, a tap that needs fixing, you get them to do it but assist them. And then you get to a stage where same thing happens you can leave them to do it because they've watched you do it, they've done it with your assistance and now they can do it mm. by themselves. And you now know. you no longer need a plumber. Yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Good way of saving money. Yeah. Yeah. Fixing your car, fixing your tap, whatever yeah. it is. That's awesome. Such great wisdom. Uh, thanks for sharing, Nikki. Thank you, Steve. Um, thanks, you know, to that message from Andy. We want to receive our kids as a gift. We want to raise them with wisdom and we want to release them for life. And these three all sort of go hand in hand. As we close out today's episode, Steve, what sort of closing thoughts would you have, encouraging thoughts to those parents that are listening that are saying, I want to do this and I want to do mm-hmm. a great job, but I'm not sure if I'm doing that that well. <laughs> oh, I just want to encourage you that, you know, you are doing a great job. And, you know, as we talk about this stuff and, and you're probably thinking, yeah, that sounds good, but is it easy? No, none of it is easy. And I have to admit that there's times where I've wondered, you know, am I doing a good job? Am I doing enough for these kids? But it was recently I was going through my drawer. I've got some books that I'm reading and and out fell this little bookmark that I'd been given when our kids were probably, oh, just in, in primary school. And it was this little bookmark that said, world's best dad. And I thought, wow, that is really cool. You know, these kids know me really well. They know that I'm not perfect. 
they know that there have been times where I've really blown it and I've got it wrong. And yet here they are, you know, for, for two people at least in my world, they think I'm the world's best dad. No, I know I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are a lot of people who are doing things way better than I am. But, you know, to them, and that's all that matters, you know. And so I get incredible encouragement from that. And so I think for, for you out there that are listening that are wondering, gee, have I done a good job as a, as a dad or a, as a mum? Just to say you are doing the best job that you can. Keep it up. Because our kids are watching us and we have a great influence in their life and I'm sure that it's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Nikki, closing thoughts from you? Yeah. Mine's simple. It's um, it's from Kevin Lehman. He's a Christian psychologist, written many books. And he <laughs> he calls it the ABCs of parenting. And he says, if you can remember, forget everything else and remember this, you'll do an effective job as a parenting. And I like that because ABC is pretty simple. So good. he said, make sure that you give them these things, A, acceptance, bucket loads of acceptance. B, you give them belonging. And mm. C, you give them competence. In other words, you can do this. I believe in you for great things. So give them those three things. And you're disciplining them. Again, the ABCs, you're disciplining bad attitudes. You're disciplining behaviors that are not in line with your values as a family or what you think is good. And then you're disciplining unwholesome, wrong character choices. Mm -hmm. So if you remember those things. So two sets of ABCs. Yeah. Um, I'm a bit slow learning okay. here today. So <laughs> give, give me those two, the, the positive uh, three ABCs. Give them bucket loads of acceptance. Acceptance. Belonging. Yeah. And competence. Acceptance, belonging, and competence. That's the major on those. That's mm. the ABCs you want to give. And yep. the ABCs when you're disciplining. Discipline them for those bad attitudes. Attitudes. Those wrong behaviors. Behavior. And wrong character choices. Character choices. Yeah. yeah. Remember those and you can't go pretty much on the wrong track. Yeah. <laughs> You'll stay yeah. on the right track. Good stuff. And and I think, you know, this is all about how our parenting affects our relationship as a husband and wife, as a mom and dad. And if we know how to prioritize our connection mm. and the parenting flows from there yeah. uh, in the same way that our uh, marital relationship will flourish if the connection is strong, if we're actively prioritizing that relationship, you know, you can forget all the academics, all the how-tos, if you're prioritizing that relationship with your kids as well as that relationship with your with your spouse, mm. you know, you've already made strides mm. in raising them effectively. Mm. Too true. So that's it from the friendly folks here at Family Life. Uh, Nikki, give me your final word when it comes to being a mom. What comes to mind? Connection. Connection. And uh, Steve, how about for you, Dad? Oh, can I give two words? Two words. Go for it. <laughs> First is relationship and second is don't give up. Okay, don't give up and have fun. Mm, great. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Too, yeah. Totally. <laughs> There's a lot of words there. <laughs> See you guys again soon. Catch ya. See you next time. You've been listening to the Family Life New Zealand podcast, where we believe that when people develop their relationship skills, their relationships flourish. If you found this conversation useful and want to help us reach more families, simply rate it, review it, and share it. We'll see you next time. Do, do, do.